0: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. You're listening to C-Suite Success Radio with your host and executive coach, Sharon Smith corporate success is your goal c-suite success radio offers you informative interviews with experts that will help you shorten your learning curve and accelerate your momentum to higher achievement c-suite success radio makes it simple and easy for you to tap into the wisdom of other successful business people who know the path you're traveling if you're ready for success in corporate america welcome to your new home at c-suite success radio And now, time for your host and C-Suite Executive Coach,
1: Sharon Smith. Welcome to this week's episode of C-Suite Success Radio. I am your host, Sharon Smith, of C-Suite Results. Each week we focus on success, a word we all know and something we strive towards, but not a word that's easy to define. All of our topics and guests are aimed to help you achieve the goals you've set for your organization, and for yourself as a leader, but more importantly, to help you accelerate the pace of your success. On today's show, we have Zeb Wexler, a modern-day sales expert and the CEO of the rapidly growing Wexler Consulting Group, a former leader with the Israeli Special Forces. His quick rise to success began at age 16 when he owned his first business in the PR and tourism arena in his native Israel. Zev has over 20 years of sales management, recruiting, training, and leadership experience. He's achieved many awards and accolades throughout his career, including being recognized as one of the top 20 leaders on LinkedIn in 2016. Let's listen to the conversation I had with Zev and learn how he defines success and the lessons he's learned to help you gain the edge you're looking for. I want to welcome Zev Wexler to the call today. Zev, thank you so much for joining us.
0: Sharon, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me.
1: Absolutely. It's my pleasure. As someone who's known you for a while now, this is very exciting for me because I love having people that I love on the phone, and you're going to have so much great information to share that this is going to be a really wonderful conversation.
0: Well, hopefully I'll share some things that I haven't shared with you before.
1: Ooh, that would be fun and interesting. And as I always say to listeners, sometimes I say it later in the call, find one thing, one nugget in the call that you want to implement or that you can start to think more about. Don't worry about everything because it can become information overload. But what's the one thing that you're going to take away from this call today? And that's what I would suggest everybody look for that one thing. And with that, Zev, I really want our listeners to know more about you and who you are and what Wexler Consulting does. So I'm going to start with asking you to tell us about you.
0: So uh, my name is Zev Wexler and um, I run a very interesting marketing agency Consultancy. We can do anything an agency can do, but we really do not believe in that model. We don't believe in the model that what businesses need is just a deliverable. It's a shining object. We believe that what businesses need is know-how and we believe that what businesses need is a partnership and what businesses need is having us help them do things they don't know how so they can focus and do the things that they really know how and by that grow their business and make their dreams come true. So we do a lot of interesting things. We dabble with technology and with uh, a lot of the classical marketing and we help a lot of companies. We help government contractors, we help uh, nonprofits and growth mode privately owned companies we have a lot of fun doing it.
1: I love that you said you, do, you take off the table, and I'm going to um, synopsize or what I heard you say, but you take off the table things that these organizations shouldn't be focusing on because it's not what they're good at. And it's the terminology I use when working with clients is you're knowing what your unique brilliance is and knowing when to outsource or have other people or partners or employees take on tasks that they're brilliant at, which you're not so good at which means when organizations need marketing instead of trying to figure out how to do it themselves, unless they're a big organization that's already staffed up a marketing department for smaller organizations, or like you said, organizations in growth mode, not knowing how to do these things doesn't mean you have to go out and learn how to do them. It means you have to go out and find the right partner.
0: I, I totally agree. And I think everything starts with um, self uh, leading by example. So I'm good at a lot of things, and I am really bad at just as many. And I make sure that I do not do things that I am average or below at. So I have a great team around me that if there is a task that I am not good at, I will have someone that is really good and passionate about it doing it. And the same thing I recommend to my client. If you're just having someone do something just because someone told you this is the something to do, but the person doesn't know, You're not going to get any results. You're going to pay a lot of money. You're going to waste a lot of time. Why not go to someone that has done it with companies for a long time that you can, for a fraction of the price of really building a marketing team, you can get a marketing team that is excellent and works on their success.
1: And what I love about your business and your team is that you have really brought people in with specific skill sets that are really exceptional at what they do. And everyone knows that it's not their job to do the other things. Everybody's good at something and or multiple things, and it's not about, like, like you said, just doing something to do something. It's about having someone do the thing that they're the most excellent at, and you've been really good at bringing in those types of people.
0: I appreciate it. I'll give you an example that I think a lot of the listeners um, are seeing. A lot of companies are hiring interns or someone that just finished uh, college uh, with no connection to what he finished college in to... Uh, be in charge of their social media. The thought is uh, they're a millennial, so therefore they know social media, so therefore here uh, have a position. And then companies spend money and do things on social media with no goals, with no way of understanding what they're doing, how it impacts their business, why is this happening, but they heard that social media is important. That's my kind of example of doing something just to do it. Uh, without any understanding if this is something that is an ROI driven uh, action for your business, if this is something that is helping your visibility, who's actually seeing it, is anybody going there to see your website?
1: Etc. It's something I've been focusing on recently. Someone on LinkedIn had posted, and I asked a question and response, and she kindly responded. And it was about what has made her organization successful. They're one of the fastest-growing franchises in their area, and I wanted to know why. And she said strategy and then implementing that strategy. And so that really got me thinking about strategy. And as you were just talking about social media for the sake of social media, because someone said you should – doing it without strategy. So with a you could even bring someone in. I would think like yourselves or other companies to help you create the strategy and then if the organization wanted to staff that up with interns or other folks and then implement the strategy as long as they knew how to implement the strategy, that's a huge huge piece of getting it right. I I
0: totally agree, and I'll I'll tell you something we've implemented here in the business for the last six months. And at first, I fought it a little bit uh, because I'm a salesperson. But today, I really think this is the right path. Every company we work with needs to do a strategy with us prior to uh, engaging in work, or need to give us a strategy that we think is really good. And we found that no companies have strategies almost, and. Even if they do, they're very generic and not really good. They're not a digital uh, marketing strategy. So we um, stopped doing projects. If a company wants to work with us, they first need to pay for a strategy being, to be done. And from there, we'll figure out what we want to do. And again, if they just want to take the strategy and implement it themselves, they can do that as well.
1: That's a, great, that's a great point, because without the strategy, it doesn't matter how good the people are on the team, you're going to be going in multiple directions and not really even knowing what the end game is, what the actual goal is, how to measure it, the ROI. And I'm really myself focusing on strategy right now, so I'm glad you brought that up.
0: Absolutely. And also, it, uh, you know, as, as business owners and entrepreneurs, it, it clears the field. You see who's serious and who's not. If someone has a problem spending money on their strategy, it's probably not someone I would like to work with. Someone that down the road we're going to hit a snafu anyways because he's not even seeing the value of researching what he's doing. It also created a place where we know who's serious and who's not.
1: So in your own life in terms of strategy, how and when did you start implementing strategy? I know you started in the business world at the age of 16. Did you already understand strategy back then?
0: Absolutely not. No, I was winging it back then. And, you know, I I do a healthy amount of winging it these days. I do believe in opportunities. But back then, I did not know much about strategy, Uh, maybe some about tactics, and maybe I thought tactics were strategy. Today, I understand a lot more. Um, For instance, I'll tell you a story. I used to be a little bit addicted to LinkedIn because I had a lot of success. And we have a VP of marketing here, and she's brilliant. Her name is Monica. And she came to me and she said, you can spend four hours a day on your computer on LinkedIn. And I told her, well, I make about $10,000 from those four hours, so I think I can. And she told me, well, you're not the salesperson here. You're the CEO. You are a leader. I did smart and I listened to someone who knew what she was talking about. I work now on my business and not in my business. I try to bring as much time as I can to understanding where we're going and how we want to do this and maybe thinking about what's the future than actually nitty gritty getting another small client, another sale. And sometimes the client we don't even need and not really the best client. Me as a salesperson, I like to sell. I like to see the bottom line. I like to see the money coming in. This is a a struggle and something that I've learned. It took me a long time to understand that sometimes you just got to back off. Sometimes the owners of a business need to back off, need to let their trusted people do their thing.
1: For people who are listening and may be that owner or that CEO and have trouble backing off or haven't really given it the due diligence and the thought that it deserves, they don't have a Monica to come to them and really question them and and dig in and say, no, really, you shouldn't be doing this. Talk a little bit more about what you mean by working on the business and not in the business. I think that's a really beneficial concept for people who maybe haven't heard it before.
0: So I try to come in early as much as I can on a weekly basis and sit down with my executive and uh, have a little bit of uh, what's going on, what's in our what's behind us, what's in front of us, sometimes on the nitty-gritty business of the day, but always a little bit more about, okay, so what's the big uh, ideas in the pipeline? Where are we going after? Talking a little bit about what we heard and read and, you know, interesting insights and, you know, the Amazon purchased the uh, Whole Foods and how does that affect us? Uh, does that affect us? Can it affect us? Uh, things of, of, of that nature. So that's something I do on a on a regular uh, morning basis. Then on the weekends, uh, this is also something um, I really like. A lot of times myself and sometimes with my executives and partners, just meet up and look at what we've done, where we want to go, look at uh, you know the things that we're really proud of two years ago and how today we're doing completely different things and don't even think that's that good. Uh, and how can we look again in two years because that's what we want. We want to grow in a way that What we did two years ago is going to look a little bit juvenile, though, and you can't do that without planning. Um,
1: And that's the strategy that's working on the business versus in the business.
0: Exactly. Uh, Understanding where you want to go and what actions you need to do today in order to be there in two, three, five years.
1: Because working in the business, my, my definition of that or description would be when you're in the weeds, when you're the person on LinkedIn, when you're doing the sales, when you feel like if you're not there, something isn't going to happen, even though your team's probably capable, but when you feel like you have to be there working and doing the work versus the big picture strategy person.
0: Absolutely. And this is a, a good small example of this. This is me working on myself and working more on the business and not in the business. I can take this time and do a few more phone calls, try to close something, have something that I can show for the bottom line. But in the end of the day, if I can affect some people and help them and give them some pointers, it will do good for me and my business uh, more than if I close this small thing that's going to make me happy for today. But in the long haul, it's less important. Do you um, Have you read, Sharon, The seven uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People? You
1: know, that is one book I haven't made it through the first chapter of yet. I, I, I know it's a good book and I also need to, when I read, and I'll admit this to my listeners, if I don't get into it quickly, it's hard for me to keep going. So that is one I haven't yet grasped.
0: So thank you. Um, this is one of my favorite books and it's not because of the excitement of, uh, of reading <laughs> and how it's written. It's just because I really believe it provides kind of a blueprint of, of what you should and shouldn't do. And I truly believe if everybody follow the advice of that book, you'll be much more successful than you are today. One thing that really struck me in that book, is he, he's telling about time management and how to get more efficient and effective. There are things that are urgent and important. Those are the fires in our lives. Those are working in the business, the weeds, and we have to do them. And people mistakenly think that's the most important thing in life. But what Stephen Covey, the author says, is what's important but not urgent is really the key to success. If you handle everything that is important not urgent, you'll have a lot less fires. And that is really what I mean about working on the business or doing what you and I are doing now. That are things that are important, but not urgent. I don't have to do this. You don't have to do this. It's not like a client is pushing us It's initiative. It's important, but it's not urgent. And I think those actions are the key to growth.
1: I like that you brought that up and you used a term that I actually am against and it's time management because I don't feel like time is something we can manage, it's the priorities that we manage. And so it's about prioritizing what's important and what the strategy is and what we are doing as in working on the business. And when we manage those priorities and we know what they are because you can't have more than what three or four priorities because a priority is something that's more important. Than something else. So if everything is a priority, nothing is a priority because then nothing is more important than anything else. Everyone on your team, right? You and your different Monica and other folks on your teams can all have their priorities that can all equate and equal the bigger picture. You know when you break it down, and then you figure out how to work those priorities into your day. Right? And so I'm really glad you brought that up, and I will definitely give the book another try.
0: Thank you. It's it's really, again, you know, Stephen Covey is, an, uh, is a pretty dry uh, writer, but really I, I truly believe in, in what's written there, and in I, the principle.
1: And it's a classic, and I know I should be reading it. I'm pretty sure it's on my Kindle. It's just a matter of going and sitting down and reading it again.
0: Listen, it's, it's all priorities. I, I have to tell you that I read it probably about 20 times, and I have to force myself, but I always learn something. Something new. And I always share and teach it with my team as well. Um, there's just a few books that the people didn't write them in the most interesting way, but they put their lives into a research of what worked. And people like Napoleon Hill or Stephen Covey, those are the type of people that I enjoy reading what they write over and over again. Because as I grow, as I wasn't ready back then when I was younger, as I grow, I understand different things from what they have written.
1: Absolutely. And rereading and teaching others helps and reinforce what we're learning. So that's a great way to consume, consume the information. I want to talk to you about what I talked to everybody about on, on the show is success, because that's why we're here is to help future leaders and current leaders really get clear on what success is for them so that they can go out And go after it and put the strategy in place to get to the success they want to. Because if I try to put a strategy in place to reach success based on your definition, it will never really work for me because it's not my definition. And I want everyone to be able to put strategies in place, since we're talking about strategy, for their goals and their definition of success. So tell me your definition of success. And it can be business, personal, it can cross lines, I'm not looking for anything particular in that respect, but just whatever your definition of success is. So it's
0: it's kind of crosses all fields. I, I do believe in segmentation that for some things and I don't for others. So maybe constantly and consistently moving towards your goal. So success to me is not a thing. Somebody can do something amazing, have a lot of money, it doesn't really mean he's a success uh, in my eyes, but success to me is always moving toward what you want. What you And, and As long as it doesn't hurt anybody else and as long as it's something that is actually good, that's success to me. So when a kid uh, wants something and he goes after it and goes after it till he gets it, that to me is a pretty successful kid. I think that's going to translate later on. Um, I don't know if that makes sense to you, but that to me has been, for a while, my, my definition of success.
1: Well, one of the reasons it makes sense to me and one of the reasons I really like it, it's not the outcome that is the definition for you. It is the journey. It is the fact that you're working towards something. And that is, I believe, in The Strangest Secret by... Mm -hmm. Have you read The Strangest Secret? It's very old. Yeah. Earl, Earl Nightingale. And in that, he actually defines success or talks about success as the boy or the girl who is working towards some chief aim. It's not the result, but they're working towards something. They know what they're working towards. And it's about setting goals. Another interview I did recently, the success for that person was reaching your goals, but it wasn't a specific goal, it wasn't money or a title or anything, so it was about determining what that goal is, and for you it's not even the necessarily the outcome or the reaching of the goal, it's constantly moving towards the goal.
0: The goal will constantly change, you know, what I wanted when I was 19 and what I want today are two different things. Yes, Uh, But as long as I can continuously and constantly, it has to be something that is always happening, moving towards my goals. And again, I can go, you know, one, two steps forward, one back at times, but I'm still in motion towards what I want to accomplish.
1: Have you read the book, The Compound Effect? I've listened to it. Okay, same concept in terms of reading. For our listeners, The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy is this idea that everything you do compounds... Right? and turns into what your results are, good or bad. If I eat a hamburger and french fries every day for lunch, that one meal in and of itself doesn't really have a negative effect on me, but compounded over time, if I keep doing it consistently, like you were just saying, consistently and constantly, it's gonna compound into you know, high cholesterol or blood pressure or weight gain versus someone who does the opposite or whatever it is you do in and of itself in one moment probably doesn't make a huge difference, but when you do it cons- constantly, and consistently, it compounds over time into getting you where you want to get.
0: I agree. And do you mind if I give you an example from the sales world?
1: Please. We love examples. I love
0: examples. There are there are very talented salespeople. I used to be a very talented salesperson. Maybe I'm still I still am today, but the talent of the salesperson never to me signified how successful they were. There were salespeople that could have done so amazing, but they were only triggered to action when things got really rough and then they went ahead and you know did some really good things and maybe closed some deals but then they went back to rest on their laurel and I truly believe that life is you're either growing or you're dying there's no resting on your laurels that means you're on your way down so as long as you're not going and it doesn't matter how slow you're going but as long as your motion is forward you're good but the moment you think you're you're stopping a place to smell the roses, you're actually on the way down. So I always like the salesperson that maybe was a little bit less talented, but constantly work on their game, constantly did actions to make their, um, their results better. And most months, those talented salespeople may have sold more, but over time and in the years to come, that guy is going to definitely, uh, that lady or that gentleman is definitely going to beat them in that success race if you know what I mean.
1: Yeah it's the long game just like the marathon just because someone runs out of the gate faster for the first few miles doesn't mean they're going to win the race.
0: It doesn't but on the other hand I do believe in running fast too if you can keep up the whole race running fast go ahead and do that.
1: I hear you. What information if you had had sooner in life would have shortened your learning curve or helped you overcome obstacles?
0: So it's a tricky question a little bit because I do believe that a lot of things you just have to experience. And I love the example of, uh, you can't teach someone to swim in an office. You can teach him a lot about the theory of it, but you kind of need to throw him into water for him to understand what swimming is. I've learned a lot of things over the years, but I don't know if, if someone would come and tell me those things, I would necessarily act differently. But now that I've learned them on my flesh, I definitely will act differently. So a lot of them were, to me personally, was with the way I hire people. I love people. I truly love people. And I love giving chances to people. And I used to do that a lot, um, too much. And I used to lose a lot of money for it. And it used to... Stifle my growth. This is something that, again, I wish I knew earlier, but I don't know if someone would come and tell me that because of my nature, if that would actually change something or I needed to actually get burned to learn.
1: Okay, and that's fair. It may not have been someone, if someone had told you this sooner that you would have implemented it. It's something that knowing now, in hindsight, if you could have gone back and implemented, would have made a difference. Or now that you know it and figured it out on your own, which is perfectly fine, that you're going to do something differently going forward.
0: Absolutely. So we have changed our entire hiring process. Um, I don't hire anybody into uh, working with us without a probationary period or an internship. And it doesn't matter who it is and where they come from, if someone wants to come and work with us and I think we're a great environment, I want to I wanna see, I want a test period. And I think uh, someone that is really talented would not be afraid of that. I know if anybody wanted to hire me for a test period, I'd be excited to do so because I know what I'm able. And I, and I find that the people that are not willing to do that are usually the people that would fail anyways. I'm a lot stricter on hiring and I think I get stricter almost every day and that's something I think the biggest thing that I've learned. Uh, maybe not being so open and if there's a doubt, don't hire.
1: What is it about your culture that does work so well for the people that are there and maybe wouldn't work for others? What is it that you're so proud of with your culture because I know you have a very strong team and a very strong culture.
0: We kind of treat ourselves like a dysfunctional family. We spend a lot of time educating each other. I try to spend at least a few hours a week just educating my team about something. Uh, I'll be also honest with you, some of my team really love it, some don't really love it, but I do feel it really uh, brings everybody together. We eat together, we stop the day, no matter how busy it is, usually for an hour, and we all eat together, and we get to talk and share, and sometimes uh, we do some educational experiences as well. And we actually care. Uh, A lot of us see each other outside of work. Uh, A lot of us are really, really good friends. We care about each other, not just in the business sense. And then when it comes to business, everybody helps everybody. So yes, we want to do what we're good at. But when push comes to shove, if Mike has an issue, then Jay will try and solve it or vice versa. Even though Jay might be best at something else, but their two minds might solve Mike's problem right then and there. So I encourage them to work together to do teamwork. But then I also, I look at the time. I don't want people to just waste other people's time when I have things that I need them to do that their talents is necessary. So it's an interesting balance. And I give a lot, but I also demand a lot. It's not for everybody. And one of the things that I need from someone on my team is drive. If you don't have drive, we're not going to get along. If you're not proactive, we're not going to get along. And time moves here really quickly. And I think everybody here really enjoys working here, but I don't think it's for everybody. If you're a laid-back type of guy that just wants to do your thing and not kind of get involved in too many other things... You won't like it here. It will be too much.
1: And that makes sense. I think it's awesome that you guys have lunch together. I know when I've been in your office around lunchtime, I was very blown away by that. Not the lunch itself. I figured, okay, you guys are having lunch together. But then when I learned you do that every day, I thought that was really incredible. What drove you to that decision that you wanted to do that?
0: Uh, strategy, to be very <laughs> honest with you. If you look as a business owner, let's say I'm spending $12 per person for per lunch. Okay, and let's say you do it, you know, five times, so you're talking about 70 bucks a week. If I now, Sharon, say, Sharon, I'm going to give you a great raise of $70 a week, it's not going to mean much to you. But if I have lunch for you every day when you come, you know, as, as a soldier, you learn that the army works on, works on the stomach. As a man, you learn that a lot of time love comes from the stomach too. And what is a more family caring environment than eating together? For something that if I would give you a raise in money would be something that that you wouldn't really appreciate when it comes into food and camaraderie and sitting together and caring about each other and not just pushing each other to get as much done during the day, and we do get a lot done during the day. But that, uh, it, it makes people feel like we care, and we do care. Right. Even though it's strategic, we totally care. But um, that's the reason why I decided doing it. I thought it was just a lot more value than, than giving you that money as a
1: raise. And you've obviously seen the results that it has worked for you in terms of – how your folks appreciate it and from a culture perspective you said it's not for everybody there may be people that come into that probationary period and would rather have the money and that's not the right person for you so that's a great way to figure out who does fit because for you it's important that your team isn't just there to work but they're also there to support each other
0: absolutely i want people that understand that the value they get here is not just money and not just food i want them to understand that coming here you're gonna get tools that you can use use, whether here or not, but to grow your future. I don't think there are too many companies that care about the personal growth of their uh, employees, especially not our size. You know, you always hear about the Googles and all these, you know, amazing, great organizations. But we are about 12 people here and we care about each other. We know what's going on. We know what's the name of each other's spouses and sometimes more than that. And something's going through someone's life we want to help and it just makes people feel like they're cared and they actually do care and then they do better work always do better work when you care for the person that you perceivably are doing the work for
1: i have a huge smile on my face right now because when i speak in front of groups or am doing workshops this is part of my part of my pillars and philosophy is community collaboration communication and some of the things you're talking about knowing each other beyond just work because when people come to work they don't leave their personal lives at home and that means if you don't understand what's happening in someone's personal life you don't really know how to best help them at work because a good employee could not be a good employee if they're going through personal problems but if you don't know about it you're just going to assume they're a bad employee and could add to their personal problems by possibly letting them go or other you know other problems when I say you I don't necessarily mean you I mean the, the, the bigger the bigger you. And when you know your employees and you know your coworkers, and you know the folks around you and you know their spouses or what they're going through, if something's going on, you can help them and you can create an atmosphere for them where they can still be a productive employee and also get through whatever it is they're getting through.
0: I totally agree. And I can tell you on many occasions, when I saw one of the team members, and I'm a pretty good reader of energy, and I saw something very negative is going on, and I would just you know, tell Monica, hey, handle lunch today. And I would take that person to lunch and I would talk to them about what's going on. And I'm amazed how many times they really open up and they tell me exactly what's going on. Sometimes I'm shocked of how much detail I'm getting, but then it helps me help them.
1: Yeah, you're able to mentor them or coach them through the, the problem that they perceived as a big problem at the time. And without your help, they probably would have continued to feel that way. And because you are authentic and when they opened up to you, they could tell that you really did care, they were able to listen to you and you were able to help them through it and they were able to move on.
0: You know, I'm a nice guy, but I also have uh, my tough love moments as well. It's nice to know that and about you. <laughs> I, I do that. You know, if someone comes in with me, I, I won't, you know, disgrace them or anything, never, but I will tell them, okay, I heard it and I understand, but you need to grow up. And I understand that this is bothering you, but let me teach you about a few techniques of how to focus on other things. Because in the scheme of things, this is not important. It's not going to help you with anything, focusing about this. And we, we need to find a way to get over this. Sure. Quickly. You know, some things, uh, perspective is everything. And maybe because I've uh, been through military and I've seen a sheer bit of things in my life, I have that perspective, but I think I give a lot of it to my team. And I think when you're young, things happening, mm-hmm. and we all have them, and you feel it's the end of the world, when you look at them two years, three years you know, later, those are the little things.
1: So this is great information for leaders who are listening who might not realize that understanding who your employees are on a more personal level is actually very important and that the soft stuff or the squishy stuff or the, the emotional stuff actually does belong at work as long as you are there and capable and emotionally ready to help your employees and help the people around you deal with their problems.
0: I think what a lot of people don't understand, uh, and I think it's very important to understand, and it took me a long time to understand is you don't grow businesses, you grow people. The people are the heart of everything, and if they're not going to grow, your business is not going to grow.
1: I'm glad you brought that up. I was going to ask you about two more questions, one being one piece of advice you would give someone listening. So let's assume the person listening will listen to advice, unlike you who wanted to learn through your own trials and error. But let's assume someone listening is loving what we're talking about and really soaking it up and wants one more piece of advice from you, something that you have learned or implemented. It could be repeating something you've already said. It could even be this idea of you don't grow businesses, you grow people. I think that's profound. What is that one thing that you think someone listening who is looking for that one nugget and could walk away with what's that one thing? So
0: something that I'm definitely still teaching myself. But when you ask that question, one thing glaringly came up in my mind, and I think the original credit is Dr. the late Dr. Wayne Dyer, which I've mm. uh, never met but really, really loved to learn from. Me too. And it goes something like, "Change the way you look at things, mm. and the things you look at change."
1: Absolutely. So
0: to Put it in more scientific ways, when you change your point of view, the object changes. And it's really important to understand. It's not what happens to us, it's what we do with it, how we accept it. And that's something that I think is the biggest lesson that I've learned and still learning, and the best piece of advice I can give people. Look for the silver lining. Make a big effort to look for the silver lining. Uh, one of my favorite biblical lines is, from bitter will come sweet. Some of my biggest challenges and worst moments in life basically brought me to the best things that I have. It's important to understand that, call it God, universe, whatever, however you want to you know, look at it, but we're being tested all the time and you just need to continue, like I said before, constantly and continuously doing those things, whether it's dark or bright. It's always easy to do things when things are bright. I don't know if that all makes sense, but um, that's what came to mind.
1: It makes a lot of sense to me, and it's something that I would encourage anyone to listen to again because everything you said from the Wayne Dyer part on was very profound, and I was just nodding along because I think he's amazing. And I love the words you're saying and the way you said everything in your own words was absolutely beautiful. Great, great piece of advice. I was kind of lost in the moment myself as a listener listening to you. But I was, I was lost in the moment there for a minute. So thank you. That was beautiful. My
0: pleasure. And it's something I remind myself, Sharon, almost every day. We always see things that annoy us and we all have egos. I'll go a little bit scientific, but you know, most of the things we're sensing are coming from our brains. Our brains are basically a chemical lab that's producing chemicals, and the reason for all that is something that is no longer in in existence. Most of the reasoning for that was to save lives. Um, Our world not that long ago was a world we needed to watch out for animals and things and how to stay alive. And we need to understand that our mind plays tricks on us and it's built to do that for us to survive. Yet right now, there's no tiger in my closet, no uh, lion is gonna jump from my door. There is no need for that. So a lot of times it's important to ignore your nature and understand that, hey, this is why this is happening, but I am not my brain, I am not this, you know, I'm not an animal. I can actually understand that, no, I need to do completely counter to what I'm feeling right now in order to succeed, in order to to do good, if that makes sense.
1: It makes perfect sense, and it's a lovely way to leave our call today. Some great thoughts. You've given us some book recommendations. You've given us a lot of really great examples, some wonderful quotes, and a really great definition of success. I love talking to you, Zev. I'm so glad that we both live in the D.C. metro area and that I get to see you on somewhat of a regular basis because you are someone who I always get so much energy from and feel feel your passion. So thank you so much for joining us today, and I'm sure everyone listening could feel the same thing I could feel from you.
0: Thank you, Sharon. It was a pleasure and looking forward to seeing you soon.
1: Absolutely. Have a great day.
0: You too. Bye-bye. Thanks. Thank bye. you, everybody.
1: Thanks for listening today. Tune in for our next episode. And in the meantime, you can get more resources at www.c-suiteresults.com. Make it a successful day.
0: Like what you just heard? Visit c sweetradiocom C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business.